everyone. Welcome back to Hygiene Profit Leaders. This is Jessica Mickle, one of your most favorite clinical trainers, I'm sure. But today I have a special guest with me. We're going to be talking about how we can create financial opportunities and increasing those opportunities within our role as hygienist. And I would like to welcome to our podcast today, Miss Melissa Swanson. Just kidding. Hi, uh, my name is <laughs> Melissa. Like Jess said, I'm a clinical trainer here at the Scheduling Institute, and I'm based out of Colorado, where I received my bachelor's in dental hygiene from the University of Colorado School of Dentistry. Practiced clinically for over 12 years prior to joining the Scheduling Institute back in 2014, and I'm excited to be joining you all here for my first podcast today. We're super excited to have you. So. Thanks, it's one of those great things. We have such an amazing team um, at Scheduling Institute with some a wealth of knowledge. And Melissa is just one of those added features to our team that we absolutely love and adore and so glad that she's here with us today. So today, again, we're going to really be focusing on looking at our department as a business within the business, right? So this is something you've heard before. Um, if you've had our mixed of services training, just how we've put an emphasis on making sure that you guys recognize that each department of its in its own entity is an, a business within the bigger business. And it's important that we, especially in the hygiene department, recognize like what that entails and how much it actually costs to run your department. Um, so, you know, one of the things we encourage you to do is to look at, you know, the finances of your department. So before we really talk about how we can bring more revenue and be more of a profitable business within the practice, we need to recognize like where we stand currently, right? So one of the things that we encourage you to look at is look at, you know, the financial side of things, like how much it actually costs to run your room for preventive care visit. So when we're asking you to produce a certain dollar amount per hour, it helps you to understand how important that is. So you can be clear on, you know, how much it actually costs to run your room. And there needs to be somewhat of a profit, uh, having a profit margin allows you to be able to have some expenditure to be able to get those instruments that you need or to um, start new training or learning new techniques. So Melissa, what, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about the production per hour, what that means and um, why that's important. I think the reason that that's important is because we, you know, talking about being a business within a business, it's really a balance between our overhead. So things like space, equipment, supplies, electricity, like you said, what it costs to run a room versus our production per hour. Right. right? Those right. two things are going to balance out to determine whether or not we're a profitable business within that business of the dental office. So you know, the national average for a hygienist is about 150 an hour. Yeah. But yeah. But at the Scheduling Institute, I think we take pride in not being average. Absolutely. Right? We're category one, right? Yes. We, we are absolutely not average. Our doctors have invested in their teams and trained them and we hold ourselves to a higher standard. So, absolutely. You know, the goal for a Scheduling Institute hygienist shouldn't be that 150. We should be shooting for, you know, $200 an hour. Right. I'd say, and that's really going to allow us to be a business within a business and have an area to invest in products, 
in yeah, so I had that marketing, profit margin you were talking we have about, a profit right? margin that we can use to our advantage to market, to invest in products. And those are the things that can propel our department forward. Absolutely. We really want to create uh, value in the practice and make ourselves indispensable, not uh, as overhead, but as an important producer in the overall practice. Right. And, you know, it's important, both Melissa and I, we, we're, you know, we're hygienists for several years. She, I think 15 years for Melissa and 19 years for myself. And so we've been around the block for a little bit. And it's important that you guys understand that when we're talking about these things and increasing our profitability, and we're talking about financials and the money side of things, it's important that you understand that we don't want you to recommend or to do anything that's unethical or that your patient can't need or benefit from. So when we're talking about this, we're not trying to get you to look at things that are not there. We're trying to get you to look at opportunities that aren't there that you may kind of skip over a little bit because maybe insurance doesn't cover it, right? So this kind of leads us into one of the first ways that we can bring more financial production and opportunity into our department. And that's focusing more on comprehensive hygiene care versus then just looking at preventive, right? So moving from just standard procedures and looking more at adjunctive and periodontal protocols and those types of things. So what would be some ways that we could focus on more comprehensive hygiene care versus just preventive insurance-driven hygiene care, Melissa? Well, I mean, I think we need to start with exactly what we've taught our clients during the mix and profitable perio trainings, mix of services, profitable perio, which is starting off with developing a standard of care. Right. Right. We as hygiene teams in each practice need to have guidelines for both our adjunctive and our perio, not just that preventative visit, but what are our guidelines for adjunctive services? What are our guidelines for perio? And then once we have that in place, we can develop a thorough chart audit to assess the opportunities to make sure we're meeting the guidelines set out in our standard of care. We want to maximize opportunities for same-day treatment and make sure the time we spend with each patient is time well spent. Absolutely. And that makes sure that we're all on the same page and looking at the opportunities based on what that patient needs and can benefit from and knowing, you know, what you guys want, not necessarily what insurance covers. So that's going to be very helpful with sitting down together as a team and developing that standard of care. And when you have that, that allows you to focus on having a really define chart audit where you can look at those opportunities, right? Absolutely. So yes, just like you mentioned, Melissa, the chart audit, the standard of care will help with that to look at those opportunities. Another way for us to focus on comprehensive care is making sure that you're pre-appointing those patients, right? So, and not just once every six months, if they need to come more frequently and going ahead and getting them on the book, right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when you pre-appoint a patient, you know, as, as you're wrapping up an appointment, you want to talk about, oh, okay, Mr. Jones, we completed XYZ today, and it's very important that you return in three, four, six months so we can follow up on these issues. And that way, you know, you're tying together each visit instead of them feeling like they're coming in for every six-month hygiene. 
they start seeing it as a comprehensive program that's split up into different portions. It's literally one long-term service that you're providing rather than just six-month cleanings. Right, absolutely. Right? That really devalues it when we look at it that way. For sure. So, you know, another way that we can increase financial opportunities, not only within our hygiene department, but also within our restorative department is getting more case acceptance. So increasing that case acceptance. And one of the key components to that is co-diagnosis. So what is that? What does co-diagnosis mean, Melissa? Well, I know what it means, but I also know the definition I hear all the time when I ask teams. Yes, like share with us that. Occasionally um, I get that what I think is the ideal answer, but more often than not, what I hear is co-diagnosis is what happens between the hygienist and the doctor, which is actually not quite correct. Co-diagnosis is what happens between the patient and the clinician, whether that be the hygienist or the doctor. Right, right. Co-diagnosis is us as clinicians, bringing the patient along on the journey of discovering what is in their mouth, what's happening in there. Co-diagnosis is the patient diagnosing themselves. Right. So they see an issue, right. They see an issue before we even tell them, right. And when, when they see the issue and they, they diagnose themselves, then the value of what we're doing is greatly increased. Right. So would you say one of the one of the best ways for them to kind of recognize and have an aha moment would be like if they see a picture, right? So like using an internal camera, you know, this is where getting them to see these things. We're visual learners. Everyone is 85% of the population are. So if they see that picture, they can recognize there's an issue before we even say anything, right? right? I mean, I always say, I know it's a cliche, but a picture is worth a thousand. Oh yeah. 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 So we can spend uh, quite a bit of time trying to explain to the patient what we see in their mouth. Whereas when we just throw a picture up on the monitor of their failing amalgam and the dark areas of secondary decay or the radiating fracture lines, you know, oftentimes I've taken a simple picture and before I have the opportunity to review it with the patient, they take one look at it and they say, oh my gosh, is that my tooth? Yeah. They always ask that, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, is that my tooth? How do we fix that? Yeah. What's wrong with it, right? How do I fix that? Right. Yeah. Yeah, So they're, you know, just seeing it increases the the case acceptance multitudes. Right. And what happens if we don't have an intral camera though? Okay. So that's a great question. You know, for, I practiced for a long time before I was ever, I ever had access to an intraoral camera, you know, no problem. We just go back to the the standard of using a mirror, right? Use your mirror to reflect the tooth into a mirror the patient can see into, show them what is happening in their mouth. And whether it's uh, a failing tooth, whether it's calculus, whether it is bleeding upon probing, we just wanna make sure the patient is understanding what's happening in their own body, in their own mouth. Right, and you know, one of the great things about uh, looking for financial opportunities and taking control of the financial side of your department is the more case acceptance you get, the more revenue that comes in that you can then invest in the intraoral camera as well. So that's a, you know, a great kind of perk to like, hey, make that as a goal that you can get that. But, you know, also too, like what we say actually can affect whether a person says yes or no to treatment, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely, Jess. You know, I uh, consider myself kind of a dork in this area. I studied Latin in high school for a couple of <laughs> years. Um, so 
the value of words and the connotations those words have really do make a difference as far as words that can increase or decrease perceived value. Right, right. So, you know, a simple word like little completely diminishes everything you're talking about. A little cavity or a little bleeding. Well, patients will automatically push that under the rug. So if you just drop the use of that word, sir, you have a cavity, ma'am, you have bleeding. These are signs of active infections. That has a lot more impact. So understanding how our words impact patients is huge. Right. I think that's why we like to help our teams by providing a lot of verbiage in our various trainings so that when they're with patients, they can concisely and precisely convey the message they want to get across. Right. That's one of the things I also do case acceptance uh, accelerator training that we talk about, you know, don't use the word cost. We talk, call it an investment. So, you know, those are words you want to steer clear or things that are going to decrease that value. So really focusing on and role playing with your teams as much as we all hate it, you know, it's something that's a necessary evil for us to get comfortable in changing our verbiage and that's going to increase that case acceptance. You know, Melissa and I were talking earlier when we were preparing for this podcast and she had an amazing idea that she has experienced before and it's something that's kind of outside the box and increasing those financial opportunities in our hygiene department. And that's developing like a co-care program with our specialists that we refer to. So would you share with us a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, uh, this particular example, I think is going to apply more to are teams that have a lot of patients in traditional ortho teens. So if you have a family practice and your teens are referred out for ortho, um, creating that co-care problem or program, sorry, <laughs> with uh, our referring circle of orthodontists really can increase the value by letting those orthodontists we work with know that we have established an ortho standard of care. So that's that, important. We have to have a standard of care for absolutely. orthodontic patients first, right? Just like right? we do for perio, just like we do for adjunct services. There should be an ortho standard of care in your practice. And I don't care if they're in traditional ortho or Invisalign. Right. A lot of the problems are the same. Absolutely. Um, Even so, sometimes worse too. You know, there's a Petri dish with Invisalign. Absolutely. Right? Uh, absolutely. It's like a tray that holds in all the bacteria and sugar and et cetera, right, right up against the teeth. So establish your ortho standard of care, let your local or orthodontist know what you're doing, and then set up some sort of communication system between ourselves and the orthodontist. I don't care if it's report cards, it can be done via email. Um, it's really simple, but you communicate back and forth and just to keep track of your patients so they can refer patients to you that they know need a little bit more care. They know. You so have it's not just about the ones that you already have that you refer to them. No, it's getting, yeah, it's getting them to actually send some patients to you because they know what your standard of care is. And there's going to be increase in visits, maybe a bundle situation where they get fluoride, Absolutely. mechanical devices. Yep, so the bundle might include uh, four visits a year, uh, fluoride at every visit, um, different hands, like a lot of hands-on hygiene, et cetera. And then, you know, the thing is to just make it fun for the other offices. You can incentivize maybe the ortho assistants to complete that paperwork and send it over to you. You can incentivize the patients in your practice to some sort of point system where 
the better they do, they get more points and then they can right. purchase gift cards. So kind of like our patient funding. referral exactly. programs that we talk about. Yep. So, so very similar to that and kind of make it fun. And, you know, for every referral that you get from the orthodontic assistant, that's an outside patient that's never been to your practice. Like they get entered into a drawing for something. I mean, it's, it's a lot yeah, of fun. Make it fun. For a mani or a petty or, yeah. you know, something, some sort of fun you know, a wine cards. basket, you know, right. everybody knows about Jess and her wine. We love wine and cheese around. <laughs> here. So, um, so yeah, so those are some fantastic ideas. Anything else you want to share on that? Yeah, I think that that's it. I think the thing is to be creative and to, um, you know, take this idea and just run with it, whether it's orthodontists or other specialists you tend to work with on a regular basis. It, you know, maybe your doctor does implant crowns, but doesn't place the implant themselves. So you can take it in that direction as well. So you can, you know, do the same situation with your periodontist or endodontist. So it Absolutely. doesn't just have to be with ortho, right? Right. It's all about establishing good relationships within our referral circle. Right. So, you know, we also, you know, one of the natures of the beast of hygiene is that we oftentimes recommend certain things for our patients to help increase their home care, to make it easier for them. So, you know, this kind of leads us into, you know, having products actually can bring some financial opportunities into your department. So making sure that you have like together as a team, what are you guys discuss? Like, what are some of the things that you always recommend? Like we always recommend this, this particular toothpaste or this particular toothbrush or um, this mouth rinse. And so we encourage you to kind of like have some of those top recommended products on hand so that way you can actually show the patient how to use it. It's going to increase their acceptance and their compliance because if they have to go home and look at Walmart and say, okay, there's 500 different options for electric toothbrush, which one did Jess mention, right? So, um, so what would be some of the main top recommended products, like the genres of products, not necessarily the products themselves. Melissa is actually going to have a podcast later on where she goes into more specifics of products, but the genres of products that we should have on hand for our patients. Okay, so um, looking at um, product categories, like Jess said, genres or categories, I think it's important we have just, you know, one, maybe two products from each of the following categories. So you want a great antimicrobial rinse. You definitely want some sort of prescription strength fluoride. And then it's great to have a non-fluoride remineralization product as well for those patients who are against uh, fluoride. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. We've right? all had that patient, right? And then there's a whole list of different alternative products you might consider carrying uh, one xylitol product that is the prescription strength or therapeutic strength xylitol. Right some desensitizers, uh, dry mouth products, whitening products, you know, different interdental products. It's all up to you. But the idea is, you know, we don't want to turn you into a retail store, but by carrying one product or two products in each of these categories, what you're going to do is set yourselves apart by creating this situation where patients, you're one-stop shopping. They don't have to go to the grocery store and try to find that one product in this massive dental aisle. They're there and it's going to increase their compliance by having those products right there. And it's just also convenient for them, which is a great customer service. Absolutely. So, you know, we pride ourselves on customer service and that's going to be something that's going to 
help increase that acceptance as well. So the last you know, point we wanna make of how we can increase financial opportunities is something that I am very passionate about and that's actually marketing or hygiene department. You know, we really focus on marketing our new patients and with our new patient mastery program and our marketing training that we have and really getting more patients in the door. But we also have missed opportunities actually with our existing our existing patients, right? So really thinking about how we can focus on getting those patients back in the door because not only does increasing new patients drive your business up, but also increasing the frequency and increasing the size of purchase will do that. So we encourage you to get with your marketing director and discuss, you know, or whoever does your marketing and discuss like opportunities, maybe for slow months or special events, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up or, um, you know, back to school special. Melissa was sharing with me earlier about her whitening special at one of her practices that she that she did. So tell us a little bit about that. It was really fun. We actually had a continual whitening promo running. It was it was the same promo every month, but we used to switch up the marketing for it. So in, you know, February it was a whiten for your Valentine and in March it was, you know, the luck of the Irish how lucky are you to have white teeth? And in April, it was April showers. I mean, we, there was literally something all the time. So it was literally the same special. You were just rebranding it or renaming it, right? So every, because we were doing it monthly, it always had this expiration date. So there was this like, oh my gosh, this month we're doing a whitening special on, you know, whiten for the holidays or whatever the case was, depending on the month, but it had this little sense of urgency. And even if they missed out on it, you know, they might show up six months later and it was like, oh my gosh, you lucked out. We are running that special again right now. Right. Um, So it was really fun. Um, We did a lot of whitening in that office. And that's one of those things that patients really enjoy. I mean, everybody wants to have that beautiful, bright, white, pretty smile. Right. And And it may not be whitening. It could be other things that maybe you market perio that they get a, a, a complimentary Sonicare like her toothbrush with completion of their periodontal therapy, the active treatment. So you can be very creative with that. Um, Also really kind of tie in, like Melissa mentioned, an expiration date. So that's important to have that. And again, you want to drive it towards hygiene. So like when you come at like, you have to come in for your hygiene visit in order to take you know, advantage of this promotion or this discount, right? So it's getting them actually come in for the preventive care visit and then they get that. Or say if your patient is there for their hygiene visit, getting them to go ahead and convert and say yes, because they can only take advantage of that promotion or that special while they're there. They can't get that special at a later date. So that's important. You know, one other point, important aspect of marketing is our recare system. So our recare and reactivation. And when we do that training, retention, recare and reactivation, you know, we enjoy doing a two-day version of that where we stay that second day and really work and help you guys formulate a good marketing program where you can provide offers and specials to get these patients that are way past due or have been a couple of years since they've been in, getting them to come back. Um, So that's something that we want to, you know, look at like what the math means for us. If, you know, we're looking for for financial opportunities, but what does it mean if a patient doesn't come? Like we have a hole in the schedule, right? So what does that mean? Having a hole in the schedule is huge. I mean, 
consider the average dental hygienist, right? I think we said earlier, the average hygienist makes $150 an hour. So if you miss one patient a day, that's $150. We're breaking out the calculators, guys. Cause, I am you know. breaking out the calculator because <laughs> Jess gave me a math question. So if you have $150 opening a day and you work four days a week, even if you take a couple days off, say you're at 50 weeks a year, we're talking $30,000. Guys, that's a car. Missed production. Yeah. Right. So this stuff makes a huge difference. That's why we need to make sure if, if for some reason, you know, we all have downtime, but during that downtime, instead of hiding in your room to complete your, complete your notes or stocking your room for, for the, the apocalypse, for the apocalypse <laughs> right? you know, what you want to do is get out of your room, get on the phone and start calling people to fill your schedule. And we all hate that. So we don't, we all hate working the phones, but guys, that's a way that it's going to keep your schedule full and make it where you don't have the ability to be able to make phone calls. Right. So, right. so know that we understand that as hygienists, like, but this is going to be something that it's going to fill your schedule and keep your schedule full. Right. So Absolutely. that's going to make the financial side be again, a profitable business within the bigger business. So Melissa, you know, I want to thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. I, I always enjoy working with you. You're one of my most favorite people. And thank you so much for joining us guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Remember to focus on the positive find opportunities that are missing that you may overlook by, you know, keeping a, an insurance driven mindset, think outside the box and ask questions. It never hurts to ask questions. So have a great day guys. And we will see you all again soon. Bye.